Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. smartly on the planet we call home, Earth, Gaia, Mother Sophia, Sophia, however you do, we appreciate you being on the planet Earth with us, and we are the American Communications Online, TJMRCT Radio, ACO Radio, ACIR Radio, and I have my co-host today on Wednesday, Ladies Day usually, is Melinda T. D'Amico out of New Jersey. And she's been helping us assist everyone understand a little more about cyberspace culture community in our discussions here on our shows together. And we're going to do cyberspace culture and intuitive philosophy, two subjects together, philosophically speaking, how we now handle cyberspace and computers and AI on the Internet and the future of what's happening now and what's happening in our time loops. So. We're guided through life every day, and hopefully we're all truly listening, but there are various subjects we can apply to everyday thoughts, truth, and philosophy, and uh, she's got a little bit of information here for us using phones and uh, technology today, and I'll let her introduce herself, Melinda T. D'Amico, because she's going to share some information that she's been working on in research Melinda T. D'Amico, how are you today? I'm great, uh, T.J. Morris. How are you? <laughs> I've been better. I think the change of weather is getting to me or what we call the, I don't know, a red something coming in. But uh, I have a little bit of ear uh, weirdness and sore throat, and so I've got my feet up because I broke my toe. But uh, it's odd how we can be human and still want to do a radio show. That makes me wonder, you know, is what we're doing important? It seems like people want to know that radio is going to be there. Well, at least you can move. You're not hooked up to any machines or anything like that. So we can thank (laughs) the universe for bringing us back to this final Wednesday of September 2021. And let's oh, just okay. be grateful for the wonderful things that we do have. 
You know, good. we had All science. Right. You take it away. Okay. I'm going to mute. Welcome to Block Talk Radio, dedicated to cyberspace culture and community discussions by acclaimed radio show hosts, Teresa J. Morris and co-host Melinda T. D'Amico. We will share some facts about cyberspace culture field and the cyberspace community and some uh, myths as well. Here we will clarify the truths about cyberspace with verifiable information on the topic. So just take a listening to what we're going to talk about and what makes it interesting, this cyberspace culture community is growing. So anyone interested in learning more or have any questions, concerns, or any question, because any question that someone has is a good question, and I would like to help you or TJ would like to help you understand whatever it is that you have a question about. So the lines will be open and other discussions on cloning in this community it was something that was very interesting, and you can also bring up that, a question about that. How do you feel? So we will provide the info that is from vir- verifiable sources to our listeners. So if you have questions, please dial 347-945-7207 to Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, everyone. Okay. Let's get down to what I was talking about, uh, what uh, T.J. Morris was talking about. Why is cybersecurity interesting? Some facts about the field. Are you interested in the cybersecurity field today? Hackers work day and night to discover vulnerabilities in the information systems that we highly rely on. They hack into these systems by interrupting supposedly safe communication, alter the messages, and use information for their personal gain. Now, that's, it's, it's, it's really interesting. That's just one little piece of a fact that's going on in cyberspace security. And what makes it interesting of all the different things that can happen if that a person is hacked. So, Teresa, how do you feel about the cyberspace uh, culture and community as it grows? I have to take myself off mute. Uh, I'm looking at how the various uh, – we've grown from domains only – the name and internet language and culture and how we're making it a form of uh, reality now that some people are for, mm-hmm. some are against, and we're learning cyberspace language and digital technology, but our interculture and community theory, you know, it's sort of like the Old and New Testament when it's time to, uh, they say uh, you can't keep a thought or a good point of view or even a good idea from happening, and we're all in the hypnotically accepted consciousness. Whether it's utopia or dystopia, we don't really espouse technology as an assumption that we're not going to use it because, you know, technology is culture neutral, believe it or not. But there's a number of writers that envision sharing the information superhighway, or we call it the information highway, and they really just want to see us 
become theorist and predict uh, philosophy and a type of internet communication. So some of them are working more in cyberspace security for upholding the hackers for the banks. So I was just watching a very famous neuroscientist that was hired to walk into banks and steal money, but he also hacked businesses 12 times for, for bankers in cyberspace culture cybersecurity. So there's theorists predicting that their internet communications will bring about new form of democracy and new synergies of intelligence in the future. So we're going to talk about the division of theoretical discussions in philosophy and culture and the internet and whether we are modern or postmodern, are we just reinventing the wheel again? Is this just a second verse, same of the first in the way that we think? Because we think that we're in a time loop, folks, in cyberspace culture, and that we're just recreating what we've already created before. I don't know how many of you feel like that your soul, it becomes very spiritual, and we are covered today, Melinda, under spirituality. But today, in today's culture, creating a value system that embodies free speech, but yet we have individual control of breaking down the barrier, at least in certain countries, folks. There's 195 countries, and there is a wall, a barrier wall around China not allowing other countries' information in through Google or Facebook. And the universities have an easier time educationally, and they are the ones academically that once we started with domains and the government helping uh, connect for scientists and universities, then we went into corporate uh, governments and hooking up all our government. But really, it felt like we were behind times. But then we went to corporate structure and helping others. And now, of course, we have social media that we say we allowed it to people. And we started with simple emails, believe it or not, electronic mail, just like in the post office. And uh, gradually, the newspapers and magazines suffered. And gradually, uh, now we're going into straight live streaming television. And uh, information and how we get it is now uh, trending because uh, information is dominating the uh, cyberspace culture waves and how we uh, accumulate and we receive it in a cyberspace community. So first of all, you need to know how you're talking and how you're listening. People do that these days by communication on telephones, which we now pretty much all understand telephones have become cell phones in the cyberspace language and discourse. So there's new literacies, and there's new ways to talk. So we have new words in the cyberspace community, and they're largely text-based, but it's based on theoretical approaches to a new literacy in what we call an electronic literacy. And then cyberspace security, of course, are the people that are going to work in the sciences and the data sciences to help various people, mainly corporations and larger companies in cyberspace, keep their data safe. And then you've heard of all the things in the Internet and what's been accumulated in it and adopted into cyberspace through social media like Facebook, Instagram, uh, let's see, Twitter, Pinterest, uh, all the big ones, uh, Tumblr, I guess, and Reddit. But uh, then the gaming industry, that's a whole other field with people. The kids love to do games, and we have a hard time getting them 
to do their cyberspace internet homework, and a so lot of true. them are attending class Very, now, very true. Melinda. They're hooked now on the, the, the games. Go ahead. You go in public and you see them on on a game. They don't they don't pick their head up. You know, like <laughs> you just stand and you're like, is that what it's come to? My family's come in. You think people want to sit and and talk to each other? No, they're on their phones. And the little kids, he was between five and ten at least, they're sitting there just gabbing away with not talking to somebody but on the phone, the phone or iPad or whatever, they, whatever um, you know, uh, one they have, the phone or the iPad or you know, whatever, computer. But, you know, I mean, in person, you know, so it's on the phone or iPad. Smartphones, yeah, smartphones are the most common. And there's different sizes, but it seems to be we've gone to sort of – we went from the small flip phones when we just had email, but we started wanting to see, I guess, around 2015 really got where we were getting into cyberspace with uh, videos and transferring. And it's really caught on after – during the cyberspace culture in COVID-19, it allowed us to stay home, many of us, because of the – uh, epidemic, but now we've realized how much even on news media online, the major networks, what we call mainstream publishing houses and uh, media news publishing on the internet became live stream. And now I have, uh, do you have cable? I have cable. I live inside a small city, Gulf Breeze, Florida, but I actually get cable network and I don't have to punch each separate uh, icon like you do on your phone for AB, AT&T or a, ABC, NBC. I don't know okay. what you've got, but we could talk about that today, cyberspatial interaction and potentially what we're, where we're going in the future. It's called transcultural and multicultural environments with new codes from epistemolo- epistemological types rather than cultural, but you know, possibly media potential and the symbolism because – Advertising and how people are wanting us to see their companies now, it's really invading even the uh, cyberspace internet. Like when I go on my computer, cast it. I don't know how many people are aware of this, but it's it's time we talk about it across time and space and culture. Is mm-hmm. the fact that we cast, like throwing out a line from our phones to our TV. It's called casting. Do you want to mm-hmm. look that up? Or internet casting, sure, sure, Mel- sure, yeah. I'll go back to the other thing okay. a little later on. Casting. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what we all put out when we, um, casting. To the TV, like if we send the, uh, the, some of the people. Okay, I'll see what comes uh, up. Hold we'll on. use it from their cell phone. And I, it says I'm assigning. Yeah. Casting, casting to the internet or casting to the internet and casting uh, to your TV from your phone. Casting to uh, yeah, that's, TV that's from isn't that phone. amazing how we can do that? A program well, in your phone can do something on your TV. <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it amazing? Yeah, they call it mirroring. How to screen mirror basically anything. From your uh, phone to your YouTube and your YouTube, your YouTube, cast your Android screen from Google Home, 
And uh, all these things are going on now, and we're, you don't hear people talking about it on the news or anything. They just adopt that you must know what you're doing if you have a cell phone. But that's not necessarily true, especially for a lot of us old guys, how we mirror Android or how to connect your phone to your TV. Yeah, now, because, like, to, you know, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's like the, you have a remote control. And that's for your TV. But with all the technology and improvements that we have now, you can actually put a software on your TV screen and you can activate it, not activate it, with the remote control. Right. I mean, it's insane. There's so many different things that I'm learning. I, I live and... I live in, and breathe the media and breathe the Internet because that's where we're going. Technology is the most powerful thing to have, and knowing it, it, it gives you more power and leverage. So learning it and, and having the passion for it is a wonderful thing that I have. I've always loved this stuff, and I just sit down with the technical stuff when it, people break it down on TV, you know, for, like, look at the way the TV would look when you was 2,000. Versus now, how this high def, you know, look at that. That's, that's phenomenal, you know. Well, this week, this is what we're talking about, helping people with their online philosophy of how they use their casting and their screen mirroring, which is basically a vocabulary, a vocabulary associated with your online presence in technology. But all you need to really know is that mirroring is screen mirroring is the same as we say as casting. So it's basically how you allow your stream videos and photos from your phone to go to your TV, okay? So mm-hmm. if you want you want to uh, screen mirror, uh, uh, you hear it even – I've been watching sometimes divorce court, and they'll be talking about how they sent a video from a gentleman's uh, husband's TV uh, phone, and she hit it, and it went to her TV, and that's how she found out he was listening to porno. <laughs> it went to her TV. She punched the button. She didn't mean to, and she was like, oh, my God, and it was on his TV. I thought that was hilarious. It was on one of those divorce court TV shows, but it was really hilarious. It was covered, folks. You know, all of it's entertainment, but you can show what your relatives uh, get your husband's phone and make it appear on your TV. So all you ladies out there are men (laughs) talking about navigating what's on your spouse's phone. <laughs> I thought that was funny. So, oh, my uh, God. Up, you know, on the divorce court on TV, one of the TV shows I watch sometimes during the day. So, folks, I screening, screen mirroring, is, and some of it is called uh, airplay, mirror image videos or other media. Uh, it, it's a little different from Smart View, but they have Apple AirPlay and they have Galaxy Smart View interface. Now, casting, it says, has obvious meaning that words can be used in many situations. But mm-hmm. I think of it like casting a line because I play a fishing game, too. I play games Yes, online. I, 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 that's, I totally world. get that, what you're saying, the analogy yeah. making it, too. Yeah, I agree casting with that. Casting it out like a line, and they do use casting. Just like how you, like you, you take the TV, the, 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 um, the, the remote control, and when you – getting ready to turn the TV on, you face it a certain way. You don't just go click. 
You have to literally face it towards the TV. It's connected with the box or whatever, and then that light comes on and you know you have TV. It's the same thing. It's amazing. It really is. Um, just the technology and the improvement, like I'm saying, in in the cyberspace world and the Internet, for, for like if you want to go back to, um, you know, like you said, 2015, 16 is when the video became more pronounced. Yes, I agree with that. And being able to see someone became so much more of some type of significance, whether it was science that encouraged that or just technology. Well, people can see themselves making their home videos on their phones now and cast it on TV, and that's cool. Especially when I realized I could do that, I could see my videos I made that I spent lots of money making educational videos. But now I can watch them on YouTube. I just uh, don't even really know how it's all done, to be honest with you. I used to, but I got lost in the uh, uh, what they call coding back Mm -hmm. with uh, the day when they they still use uh, Python. But with all uh, the... Negativity that you know that's associated with the Internet, you know, you can open up an account and you're legitimate, you know, and you're, and then somebody tries to either hack you. Like in this article, it says there are white hackers that hack for good reasons and workplaces such as government buildings to identify loopholes in the existing technology and fix it before black hat hackers discover them. So the black hat hackers hack for bad reasons, and some of their activities include stealing credit card information and assessing email accounts. Other hackers hack just because they are able to or which to cause chaos, and not that they have any real agenda. What do you think of that? Well, white hat security, yeah, we've got to have – we always have the guys that go out, and some of the kids out of high school, we've seen movies throughout the years where some young kid was really good, and the government comes and gets him because he's hacking into the government, you know, and then they hire him, and they become ethical computer hackers is what they call them, or computer security experts, but they are the white hat securities. And uh, yes. now how they come from black hat is doing it like you're a kid just trying to see if you can do it, and you're teaching yourself that, yeah, and they yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah, you don't really as long have as they're a, not trying to steal, you know, steal yeah. information from governments or banks or whatever. Yeah, then if you're trying to do unethical things, they call those the black hats. So it's still mm-hmm. white, black, white, dark, yeah. good, bad. It's just a yeah. term. It's, that's that's there's really something else that thing. people could do that. Well, they have white hat uh, hacker courses. Uh, it's it's NICCS. I don't know if you're familiar with that or not. Certified white hat hackers, and mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's National <laughs> Initiative for Cybersecurity Careers and Studies. Doesn't that sound wacky? But there's actually a National Cybersecurity University in Georgia. Oh, I was reading up on that stuff. Yeah, it's becoming a big thing. I mean, people are making these uh, cyberspace communities grow, and they're making it all over. It's not just one place. That's really, really something. 
Yeah, how they, uh, they're they helping, and you can get certified in cyber defense analysis, cyber mm-hmm. investigation, uh, threat analysis, and their specific audience, and they have courses you can take mm-hmm. at National Cybersecurity University. I find that very entertaining. If I wasn't close to, well, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I could do this at home, but that so much interests me, but the computing and the AI and the tablets and uh, I had tablets for years. Now some people use them, some don't. I've got a lap, three laptops and about three cell phones. But, uh, you know, what I need now is everything's in cyberspace cloud. Now, storing memory in cyberspace is important. I've got communicating across cyberspace culture up mm-hmm. on my screen and social activity in the classrooms because the kids – are using the internet communications with their teachers from home, uh, teaching from home, especially during the pandemic. You know, and that's something that some kids are returning to school, and for some it's an option. So I don't know if you keep up, but I I don't have any kids in school, but I have grandkids. Mm-hmm. So the people are very attentive as to whether they have to wear masks or stuff, especially where I live in Florida. But I've noticed the Republican states, the red states, and we don't usually get into politics, folks, but just discussing cyberspace, uh, they seem to be more lenient with kids returning to school. But let's look at uh, – what do they call that? School online? See if you can look up school online for kids, I guess, or for for children. I don't know how we would look it up, but I know go, returning to school or home – Internet. Internet school. Internet. Um, internet. There's internet providers near me in Gulf Breeze, but internet. Remote. Uh, remote learning. Remote learning, and yeah, and then in education, of course. Yes, and you being a school teacher, that would be a good topic for you to share is that now we do use internet learning and how we can uh, teach our children from home. Yeah, but there's some people, I mean, I think that um, going to school is the best way, but with the, the, um, I did say for social, with the pandemic, other states are filing saying that um, they don't want the kids, they would rather the kids do, some people think that it's better to do remote learning where the kids learn from home. Oh, so but I think, it takes, I think it takes away from the child's learning because we're well, normal. Socially for sure. Right? Yes, because 100%. I'm bored with what you just said. The social part is gone, and that not only gone because of the pandemic, that's just because of the improvement in life. And people don't realize when they're abusing something. Like you go to dinner with a family member or family members, plural, you don't go there to uh, sit on the phone, at least not since I knew how, you know, kids came up, but that's what's happening. People sitting there pushing buttons. They're not even looking at each other. It's when the meal comes, yeah. okay, the meal is here, let's go, and that's it. 
Well, they have the 10 disadvantages of distance learning, advantages and disadvantages, but the disadvantages, the cons of distant learning, no physical interaction, it's less mm -hmm. motivational, it doesn't help in developing oral skills or social skills, it's difficult to choose a quality educational program, your employees are reluctant to accept distant mode of training, and it's important to have good time management skills. So. Let me see of the advantages and disadvantages of teaching in our cyberspace culture. Uh, they call it distance learning is a concept gained popularity over the few years. Now, some people in college, if you're adults, it may be better than children under 18. So distance learning may not be the best choice for every student for a college degree, but there is an understanding that there is a flexibility now called distance learning, distance education. They don't have any communicating, uh, what they call commuting. Online video conferencing is what they do. They have right. initial cost savings. I don't know if it's because of e-learning, if they still have to buy the books. I don't know. It doesn't say whether they have to buy those hard copy books anymore, but I imagine that e-books is going to be where it's at in the future. If they're learning online, they shouldn't have to pay those outrageous book fees, which right. you, you know you did and I did too, right? It's very mm -hmm. expensive buying books, and you have to. a lot of kids have to buy used books and stuff. So whether you get an online degree or not, let's see what it says, uh, credible online. You want to see if your education is as credible? What do you think? But look and see. Do they, uh, do they have education online is as credible, online degrees? Uh, we know we have lack of social interaction. Is there a credibility of online degrees on education? Let's see if it says numerous drawbacks with distance learning. Studying online is even more interactive with the use of video conferencing software, but this improves the ability to acquire and retain knowledge on any given subject. Huh. Complex technology. Uh, I don't know. We're going to have to go through this, folks. I imagine for the next 10 years. You, because you know, I was in the toss-up years ago to go and get another degree, and the degree was in education. And there were some yeah. schools online, University of Phoenix online or whatever they are, and I just thought uh -huh. this, this was way, way – they were new at the time, and I thought the pricing was just astronomically low. How could this be and if that was really going to get? But now people are going to school online, and they're getting certificates, they're getting education and degrees. So it's it's for real. It's not a, it's not hocus pocus. It's for real. Well, we talked about the social part of it. What about the intuitive part? You know, if uh, I'm going to put intuitive, uh, the word intuitive, and uh, intuitive definition maybe, and then philosophy, the ability to understand something immediately maybe without mm -hmm. the need of a conscious reasoning. I don't know. Intuition is the ability to acquire knowledge without recourse to conscious reasoning. Developing fields in the word intuition is different, including but not limited to direct access. Now, that's Wikipedia. And intuition is the ability to acquire knowledge without recourse or conscious reasoning. I don't know. 
if you just see it written and you accept it that that is real, that's almost the word intuition comes from Latin translated as consider. Well, consider doesn't mean you know it. So phrenological mapping of the brain is among the first attempts to correlate mental functions with specific parts of the brain. But so also they use, they say one of the synonyms are innate. Do you think that... What's that mean? Um, yeah, you mean, synonyms, the word innate. innate. That's like within you, right? Well, there's a community and an immunity definition of capacity to organize your thoughts. Uh, if it's, I don't know if it's, we all organize our thoughts, but how is that kept? That's the originating of their mind. And we refer to the mind as something inside our brain, but it's really not because now we're discussing the unlimited uh, mind and we're all part of the innate in each person. But unified, we have a unique inborn natural philosophy for organizing our thoughts unless, you know, people have certain physical uh, conditions. In other words, they're not, they don't have a normal system that functioning brain. So that's, we got to go into the innate meaning of inborn nature and natural. Mm-hmm. But originating, you have to drive from that that is in the intellect, maybe, are opposed to the yeah. innate ability. I found it interesting that philosophy. it said that. Well, the philosophy, it, it can be an inborn human mind with that what we receive as experience. So that's a really deep philosophy right there. <laughs> is oh, there yeah. an innate idea that in philosophy, is there an idea allegedly born in the human mind that contrasts and receive compiled, compiled information from experience? Uh, you know, so then you got to go into innateism. Is philosophy and psychology an idea that's innate is a concept of the knowledge, which is said to be universal to all humanity. Whoa. And then when you say it's universal, this is the new consciousness. The big problem is consciousness God. Is this mm-hmm. the modem or what we call the uh, mode of what is the uh, monad in the philosophy of uh, Aristotle? I don't know, but that is amazing. That one word and that innate idea is uh, is independent of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So that is the innate idea of what philosophy stemmed from with Plato's knowledge of where does knowledge come from? Is it innate as a product of us all that we can reach through the identity of the unifying source? <laughs> It's very hard to judge. I mean, I that's that's a really good question. You know, that's a very good question. You know, you meet that different people from different different walks of life, educational experiences, et cetera, et cetera. Some people just like you think that they're scientists speaking, you know, and there's some people that great, then it, it just varies. And then you hear the different things that they've done in their lives, and you're like, wow. Okay. Yeah. The philosophy of Descartes' theory of ideas. And they said there were three kind of ideas, innate, adventitious, or advantageous, and factitious. 
So Adventists, they either have facts or they're adventures or they're uh, innate. But Descartes and so philosophy and the theory of ideas all along are the really the most important that has been discussed well since uh, 1500s. He said, I'm certain that I can have no knowledge of what is outside of me except by means of the ideas I have within me. So it depends on if his philosophy in ontology is taken as real ideas, understood as modes of thinking, right? So, wow, this is heavy. So now we've put all this into (laughs) cyberspace culture as to the ideas that we understand and we take for granted as substance and attributes and modes are thinking and how we understand and how we're typing ontological dependence in our putting the words in. And this is one thing I was trying to tell the kids. They all are smartphone and they all just go and look. But I'm like, yeah, but we old people are the ones sitting here and putting the words in for you guys to read. You know, it's the, you've still got to be the writers and the thinkers, the philosophers in cyberspace. You know, who's putting the consideration of the idea that God is everything as an ideal, a mental idea, or is it material, or is it just understood by the operation of your mind? And that objectivity is what's under this microscope today. Do you think it could, is, could be both? I believe it has to be because uh, without a thing, there is no equal and opposite reaction. And in right. quantum physics, we have to have the universe with a third party, meaning an interfacer, or mm-hmm. one that observes. And this is as Correct. far as humankind has thought about the consideration of the idea of source operation or God. So they say the three kinds of ideas, but there's also God. But God is everything, and God is unity and love. And you, you've grown up with the idea that God is all encompassing. Uh, monad are the operation of unity and all that is source representing even that which you can't understand doesn't mean it's not there it's an idea and more perfect in the mind the idea and they they uh, Descartes called it a material sense when using your idea it's the operation of the mind like I've got an idea you know so he creates this material sense of something that then he quotes the passage that when he's understanding an idea to operate the mind, it takes hold uh, materially in another person's mind. So you're just like, oh, wait, I've got an idea. You know, it's like, okay, spill it. You know, what's your idea? <laughs> what's the objective of this conversation? You know, the objective of your idea. So then you quote something, whether it's material or not, it's a mental operation. But the philosophy in cyberspace now, considering, again, the idea of God, is what's taking the idea spiritually is that we don't need religions anymore because they're all antiquated with old terminologies in the historical presence of the time they were written. So all words are materially born at a time when they were objectively observed during that time and space in the three-dimensional gravity thought process. Does that make sense to you? Because no, some sense. people don't believe Except it. Except historically, we should go back and see when it was written and if it was written precisely. And now we're finding out even the words in the Old Testament or the Abrahamic face weren't the words that were originally meant. But we found that it's all deciphered correctly 
are translated – most of them are translated incorrectly into Latin, Greek, and German even, German, Latin, and Greek. But uh, you know, we had the Jewish language of Hebrew, so many people say it was strictly Hebrew in the beginning, and before that was uh, Mu and the Akashic field and the Akkadian records and the fired clay tablets of old. And then before that, pictographs, right? And we can see uh, 15,000-year-old pictures in stone back in the Nagamati uh, – no, not, not – uh, what is Gobekli Tepli and other places on Earth now where we have pictographs of beings and animals and even UFO-looking craft that are reality and distinction. Uh, <laughs> so – we're all going, wow. So a lot of the things that we thought was known as history is reconstructed as strictly historical uh, folklore or folk life. You know, it was simply taught. And then a lot of stuff was taught strictly orally like you and I are doing now. But thanks to radio, we can say it live and it gets recorded here, and then people can go back and listen, which I learned a lot. Off of radio, and I know a lot of people tell me they really appreciate what I do because they always get something, or they learn something, depending on where my brain is on the planet. Like mm-hmm. with you, Melinda. So, what do you think? Uh, I think confuse... I, I think there is a lot to learn. Um, this topic is so uh, vast, and it's only growing with information with time that you can do research and find the actual content on the topic and, you know, learn more things about this cyberspace world, uh, community, security, and, and, and et cetera. But this is a, a whole situation where there's a lot of information on it. It's just being built more and more, uh, being put on top of what already is there. Well, we used to say uh, trash in, trash out, and we called it Tito, T-I-T-O. Let me see if they've even got that still in Google because Google, folks, is what most of us use, and they were all about compiling. I just saw something recently on Google and their philosophy. Can you look up the philosophy of uh, Google? And I will look up – let's see. I was getting rid of the idea, but certified white hackers, I've got that. Community cross culture, uh, and then how we're bringing together our community. T I T O and uh, trash in, trash out. Do they yeah. have that? That is uh, Joseph Bros, commonly known as Tito, was a Yugoslav communist, revolutionary, and statesman serving in various roles from 1943 until his death in 1980. During World War II, he was a leader as well. So that's interesting. He was the leader of Partisans, often regarded as the most effective resistance movement in occupied Europe. So he's a very powerful guy. Uh, but you, what did you say his name was? Josip, J-O-S-I-P, Braz, B-R-O-Z. Okay. And they say it is commonly known as Tito. 
Hello? Uh, let me introduce you to Melinda. Are you there? Yes, I am. Melinda, this is Ben Pelham. He's in Georgia, and we were just talking about Georgia. Uh, ben Pelham, this is Melinda. Hi, um, in ben. New Jersey. How are you? Hey, I'm, I'm good. How are you, Melinda? I'm good. Thank the Lord. I'm blessed. Thank you. At, at least we're meeting over the lines. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a, always a great thing. Good. Uh, can y'all uh, let me put my uh, headphones on right briefly, and then I'll I'll be right back with you. Okay. okay. Good. Yeah, we're we're live. Okay. Yeah, Ben. I'll, sure. I'll grab them real quick. Okay, Ben's going to help us here. He did. He said if there's anything he could contribute, but let's get his theory and ideas. And he grew with cyberspace culture, Melinda. He he started a long time ago in the frontier. He was with the government for uh, retired from the U.S. Navy, folks, Ben Pelham. And uh, now he is uh, helping us in cyberspace in our community. As an elder, he's like 85 years old, still very young looking, uh, years young, and he's making YouTube videos, and he has some domains out there. Uh, Melinda, he's very active, so I'm very proud of Ben Pelham and how he's contributing to cyberspace culture, Melinda. I think you're going to really like him. He has a very active mind and a lot of information on various topics. Okay. So uh, it'll be interesting to get him in cyberspace security our cyberspace culture, intuitive philosophy. But I'd like him to tell you, Melinda, and everybody listening, how he got involved in computers. But he closed down two of the veteran Navy veteran uh, reserve buildings, too. I've never got a chance to talk to him about all of that. But uh, he crossed over into cyberspace culture and intuitive philosophy in combining his thoughts and his uh, way of doing things. And he also has an extraterrestrial uh, domain, uh, Melinda, and I'll let him tell you about that. Yes. Well, are you back, Ben? Uh, yes, I just got plugged in. Are you hearing me okay? You, yeah. Can you hear him, Melinda? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, Melinda, good to, good go ahead. How are you two ladies? Good to be on with you. Now, Ben, tell people a little about yourself uh, so Melinda can hear. I was telling her, you you learned the computers. Tell her how many – she was Navy and I was Navy. We both went to Great Lakes as Corman, but uh, we didn't stay in but uh, like less than eight years. But for you, you gave it your all, plus you closed down two U.S. Navy veteran places, I think, in Mississippi or reserve centers that we never got to talk about. So I told her you've got lots of information on cyberspace culture, but – uh, tell us how you got into using computers. You, you were in the Navy how long? And tell her tell her about your length in Navy and then how you got with that Frontier Space or whatever company that was with. As we're talking about cyberspace culture and intuitive philosophy and how we're all using it. And he's 80 – you're 85, aren't you, Ben? 
85 years old? Uh, I'm 84. I'll be 85 if uh, if the Lord lets me hang around until April the 11th, and then I'll be 85. 85 April 11th, 2022, folks. Well, Ben, your mind's sharp, and you use computers, which is amazing at your age because your age wasn't really introduced to them. But can you remember back in your U.S. Navy career, did you ever use any in the Navy at all? Yes, in the no physical computers, uh, but in the nineteen of about nineteen seventy, I was sent up to Omaha because I had the experience in uh, deactivating some some uh, reserve training centers in uh, Mississippi, and uh, they sent me up there because of, I had a pretty good knowledge of property disposal and the other stuff that I had, uh, inventory control and and all that. They sent me to the uh, naval, uh, they had combined the naval air and the uh, regular black shoe reserve uh, forces that we have in, in our nation. They combined them and put them under one admiral. And then uh, the politician from Nebraska got them to, uh, to uh, headquarters the admiral and, and his staff in Omaha, Nebraska. So they sent me up there. Uh, we were in a, uh, uh, I guess, the ninth uh, naval district there, and uh, they had a uh, a computer. I imagine it would look about like a refrigerator in those days. But they were supposedly going to to uh, uh, computerize uh, our inventory of. Uh, of pretty close to 400 activities. So I had a little crew there on staff working for me, and um, they would, uh, working with these little punch cards in those days, and they would go ahead and have inventory reports coming up from the from the naval outfits and then submit that over there to the people that ran the big computer, and they supposedly would plug that in and everything would work well, but it did not work well. <laughs> it was a big exercise uh, in futility as far as I'm concerned. And after the command uh, moved to New Orleans, uh, that same uh, business was carried on. They brought down their in-house computer people, and uh, we kept trying to get a, a, a Navy-wide inventory going that that could be depended on, but by the time I retired out in 1976, uh, it still hadn't really been successful. So after I retired and came back, I first went to, up to uh, Pensacola, lived there a couple of years, went through real estate school, and, and then later came back to Georgia, where I was raised in North Georgia. And uh, Picked around some in the uh, in the bluegrass bands and uh, also worked at a golf course and uh, later got to building some uh, websites with the drag and drop uh, software. Uh, first started out with uh, with GoDaddy software and then later uh, got in with Homestead and I've actually been with them probably 15 years or more now. I started building some websites for some people, and then 
I built a website uh, for my banjo and guitar instruction that I was doing, and I did that for three years or so, and I developed my own uh, tablature. My, uh, my own tablature made it easier and quicker to teach the students, so I had pretty good success in my banjo and uh, guitar teaching. And so uh, I had a, one of the uh, stepsons uh, had a, he, he lived in Pensacola for a while down there, and he and another friend of his had, uh, had bought a little computer. It was, you know, one of the old ones. This would have been in uh, somewhere in the late 80s, right about. And so, it, you know, it, it, they would, I'd go down by his place. He had a little business there, the two of them had. And uh, they would play around with that computer. And at that time, it was very rudimentary. And, you know, it, you just there wasn't much you could really do. You had to remember a lot of different things and codes and places to punch. And so uh, that kind of kindled my interest. And after I came back to Georgia, I finally, uh, that same stepson uh, knew of a computer, I believe, or he would talk to me a little about it, and so I bought a used one, and then I started just from scratch and what little he could, he could uh, tell me. And then from there, I just figured it out for myself what little, you know, I could learn. And till this day, I'm still trying to still trying to figure things out. But that's kind of how I got started in it. I had a real interest in it, and I had an interest in web science. And then to do them, you had to know something about the Internet. And you had, to do that, you had to have a computer uh, ability, at least rudimentary, and you had to be able to type, which which I had to, to do in the Navy. I was actually, and when I was in the Navy, you had to take a uh, correspondence course for anything you wanted to aspire to. And at each level, you had to pass a typing uh, test. So I taught myself that, and then that, that came back to help me after I was retired. So I didn't mean for this to be too long, but that's a little bit of it. No, that's great. Melinda, you got any questions for him or how he can add to our cyberspace culture community? I think he's and... wonderful to add. Oh, he, I, I love the way he speaks in detail. I, I would love to definitely hear him again. I'm, fa I'm fascinated with the whole cyberspace culture, everything to do with it, and just learning more and more as, you know, time goes by. Because that's just the wave of the computer. Yeah. The, the system is the internet is the future. Oh, it is. It is. Uh, I was going to tell you too uh, about my websites. I think Teresa wanted me to talk about them just a little. Yes, please. Uh, three or four websites I have. Uh, one is a family website. Hello? Can you hear me now? 
Yes, I do. I do. Okay, I'll just mute. I'm going to mute my phone if y'all can't hear me. I'm here, though. Melinda, I'm here. Okay. 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 Is it Melinda? It yes. Is Melinda, is that correct? Okay, yes, yes, yes. So, uh, once I got to, um, my son uh, uh, had an interest in uh, UFO and uh, extraterrestrial uh, research, and he Unbeknownst to me, he had been researching on his own since he was a kid, reading books and things like that. So he and I talked some, and and I got interested, and I took it on as a challenge to prove to myself, was it or was it not uh, the truth uh, about the existence of uh, extraterrestrials and the uh, UFO, uh, all the sightings and whatnot. So I set out to to do some my own personal research, and then in that regard, I built um, PelhamPlanetaryResearch.com, and uh, on there I've got some things out in space that they won't readily make uh, much sense, but uh, in the case of uh, Uranus, uh, I, there's a real mystery there. Uh, on both poles of Uranus, a giant uh, a giant gas uh, planet uh, on both poles with a wider uh, wider diameter on both poles uh, than Earth itself is a huge uh, combination lock mechanism of some sort. And uh, I, I wrote to the support section at the uh, Worldwide Telescope out and uh, ask them if that if that particular globe was uh, using that app was based on actual NASA photos. Tim and said yes, they did. And I didn't necessarily tell them why I was asking the question, but uh, there on my website you see some very clear revelations of those two poles that really show that combination like lock. So. As far as I'm concerned, uh, based on the information I got from them, that is real, and that is some kind of a machine. It, I don't know if it's current or was or, or whatnot, but it, uh, <laughs> if we're looking for intelligent uh, life, that's a good place to, to go. The other place that I had some success in, I went uh, I, I searching in the North Polar area, of, uh, of the moon, of Earth's moon, I was using the Worldwide Telescope app, and I would normally use the Google Earth uh, Pro app, but uh, they had it so, the shadows, what I call fake shadows or false shadows, they had it painted so thickly I couldn't penetrate it with my software, so I used the uh, Worldwide uh, telescope out and was able to actually penetrate and uh, and lift out some really wonderful images there. It's on the edge of a Hermite crater and on the, on my website uh, uh, PelhamPlanetaryResearch.com uh, there are probably 15 or 16 photos of that place and at the bottom of that listing of uh, images You'll find instructions so you or anybody you know with uh, very little skill on computers and whatnot 
can actually uh, locate that place and, and get your own images. So I'm proud of that. I'm very proud of that. And the other work I've done, I'm trying to make this fast for you, ladies. No, that's okay. Hey, Ben, I just want you to know Richard, Richard joined us, too. So Richard, okay. Melinda Richard's here, too. Uh, ben, if you hey, want to say Richard, hi. How are you? You I, I'm good, Richard. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm just listening. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> My intuition said, hey, this isn't ladies only, you know? Well, that's so interesting, huh, Richard? <laughs> I'll throw in the other little website real quick. And, uh, it is uh, called etishere.com. That's etishere.com. And I use it to... to to post my images that I acquire from the from water bodies around the world, and I've had some pretty good success. So there's some pretty good uh, images on there that anybody can go there and, and take a look. Take can a you look send me his link, uh, Teresa, or tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to um, do some investigation with him, and so have him on again. Okay, yeah, Ben, uh, we can come back and get your more of your biography with Melinda too. Uh, yeah. And uh, but you know, when we do topics like today, cyberspace culture and Tootie philosophy, and then the guy from New York showed up, but I punched him on, and he turned off. I always forget. Get, I forget he's shy. Richard, I turned him on and he, he clipped off real quick. But uh, I think it's great that Richard is interested in us as humans in radio, all of us, Ben, that Richard came and felt like, oh, okay, well, if Ben can come on, I can come on too. So, <laughs> it's not just, yeah, it's getting to be more of a cyberspace culture club. Yeah, I it's club. Yeah, so I'm going to close day. out, and I'm going to yeah. say goodbye to the audience today, and I will join you back next week and look forward to, you know, ongoing conversation on cyberspace culture and, sure, any other topics regarding that anybody would like to know about. You know, if okay. you have interest, leave on. a message at uh, Melinda, M-E-L-I-N-D-A-D-854 at gmail.com. And you can leave one for uh, Teresa J. Morris as well. So any question that you have is our interest to help help you answer it and make make some interest and see what we can get. Because uh, the research and the information is there. We have all that at our fingertips. So I'd like to thank everyone for listening in tonight and. Look forward to seeing and hearing you again next week on Cyberspace Culture, Blog Talk Radio, Melinda T. D'Amico, signing out. Okay, Melinda. Thanks, Thanks, everyone. You got it. Thank Thank you. Thank you, Melinda. We appreciate it. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, Ben and Richard, she, uh, I don't think she likes to do the full two hours, so I told her I'd invite you guys the last hour. So I'm glad you guys are here. So... Uh, ben, you can go on now, Ben, with uh, sharing your information for the show. It will be recorded. I'm going on the next 25 minutes. We've still got left. But 
in case uh, you can't fill it all, Richard's here to fill in the blanks. So I'm going to mute because you're on my – oh, wait, I can't mute. Now, let's see. How can I do this? Uh, Richard, tell me if you can hear him. I'm going to mute me, but make sure you can still hear him because I merged on my phone. Let's see, Ben. Ben, talk talk to Richard. Oh, okay, Richard. Do you hear me now? Uh, Richard? I can hear you, but you're a bit at the distance. Okay, uh, how about now? A little better? Yeah, that's better. Because I'm hearing, I'm hearing you really well. Uh, there was one other little thing that uh, that I've done uh, in the last uh, couple of days. I went to uh, I put up a little screen capture video. I listed it on uh, LinkedIn and on also on Facebook. And I think Twitter too of the uh, Lake Tahoe, California. When you zoom in there real close with the Google Earth Pro and actually the Worldwide Telescope out, you'll see a uh, an algorithm will kick in a really strange-looking cover that will cover that lake so you, you can't see what's there. When you back off your zoom in the lake, it, it, it looks like it always does, but when you try to get close, it kicks in and conceals it. So I put that up. And uh, today I posted one for a lake called uh, uh, Houghton Lake in Michigan, and uh, it's near the city of Houghton. And uh, it has that same trigger that when you try to zoom in on it, uh, I made a little short video of it also showing the trigger actually as it happens to the people. So those are the the latest little things that I have posted. And if uh, I posted that on Teresa on LinkedIn for her links are there, Richard, so if you do want to see them or either go to YouTube under Ben Pelham and you'll find them there. They're, they're very short, five minutes or less. And it, it's, it's quite dramatic. Uh, there, we either have a United States base under these lakes or either, in my opinion, it's got to be extraterrestrial because there's no other reason for these uh, these coverings to come over when you zoom in because you can move your zoom away from the water over onto land and you, you don't have anything. I mean, it's just land. And then when you move back on the water, here it comes again. It doesn't want you to see it, so... Uh, everything I'm doing uh, tells me that that there's uh, there's something concealed when you see that happening. Okay, Richard, back to you there now. Well, I would agree with your conclusion, but actually, I I I just called in to listen to the show, presuming that you know Teresa and, and oh, okay. uh, Melinda it's, it's had way, uh, were carrying it, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would agree. I would agree with your conclusion. You know that that evidently, if you can't zoom in on a body of water, there's something being concealed, or or either that, or they just don't want you to see it, or something. It obscures. Yeah, and you can see it happen. But I mean, in real life, you can see it. Uh, it materializes when you zoom down. When you zoom back, it goes away. These are not the only two places I've found similar 
situations in several places around the world of uh, of that. I'm, you know, I'm I'm convinced just uh, on on the strength of of my uh, images that I've captured in the Antarctic area. That's enough to convince me there's uh, definitely there are installations underwater. Just a, it's a question of whose are they, you know. And well, Ben, don't you think we have um, – now, this is my own personal belief, folks, that there are immortals, that we are immortal. We're just visiting the planet for a short while in these electronic meat suits, but that's just that a philosophy I have for alien civilizations exist and why I formed this club, ACO Club, uh, for Ascension Center Organization and also Ascension Cosmos Oracles. But it's also American Communications Online, so we use the acronym for several groups. And I just sort of blend them together on the radio because I never know who's got time to show up. So I invited, you know, of course, Melinda on Wednesday, but we were we were building the cyberspace culture for our developers, and the developers haven't had time to show up from other countries. We had Calcutta with a whole lot of flooding and a lot of things going on in the world. So I asked Ben and Richard if they'd like to come on and help us fill this last hour, but Ben, tell people it's still cyberspace culture, regardless of what uh, content we provide to the audience. So uh, that you're talking about, explain it. You're, you're using Google, aren't you? Google and NASA images, and I'll mute. Uh, yes. But, uh, yes, and then I'm Richard using, can ask. Okay. I'm using uh, the um, Google Earth Pro uh, application. It's uh, it's a free anybody that wants to use it and the uh it's uh there's a the worldwide telescope uh used to be called an application they call it a client now and uh but it's free also you can go to microsoft.com and you can get that free and download it uh, the the worldwide telescope app has one shortcoming that i that i really don't like about it, maybe they'll correct it one day, is it will give you the coordinates for anything you see in the browser place you've been, but you cannot, there's no place to, and, and I wrote them about this too, there's no place to take coordinates and just uh, fill them in and have it take you to a place. So on the, uh, I posted, uh, left this out a while ago, by the way, I Put another very short screen capture uh, online that uh, that shows how to use the uh, the uh, uh, worldwide telescope app to go to that uh, north polar area and and to get into the uh, industrial complex there and and get your own images. And this little screen capture video shows exactly how how to do that. So, uh, uh, in order to make that work, I had to literally just uh, isolate the place and uh, using Google Earth Pro and just look at look at the landscape, the topography, and then I went over to the Worldwide uh, Telescope app and uh, when I had zoomed in. And I, I got it, the, the uh, topography lined up just right for Hermite Crater. And then I, I took a, a screen capture of that globe and put a white arrow 
uh, showing exactly the location of it. And I put that particular image on my website under all the images of that place. So anybody going or, or seeing this little short screen capture, it shows you exactly how to line up the topography in order to access this place. And it also shows the accessing and the, and the getting of the images from it in action, this little uh, screen capture does. So anyone that wants to go and, and go, to, go there and actually see this place and actually get their images can do it now very easily. That's the other little thing that I did uh, in recent days. Well, you uh, were you the one Ben that came on the radio that talked about remote viewing? Because I've been working with Paul Smith, he's one of the original RV teachers oh, with Ingo Swan, and uh, he's very, very famous. Paul Smith. That I, uh, I mentioned wishing that okay. I could find somebody that would uh, remote view the uh, this particular industrial complex, and and I'd like to know what kind of beings are there are running this place. Okay. Uh, Fifteen or sixteen really good images on my website, and uh, that little uh, screen capture video that I've posted in the last two or three days will show clearly to anybody how how to get there and how to get the images from it. So yeah, if we could, if you could do that, Teresa, that would be wonderful. I'd love well, to we'll have to arrange it. Uh, Paul's very busy. He's teaching. All over the world now. He's my uh, my age. I'm 65 or 70. I don't even know. He may be older than me because he was working with Ingo Swan and uh, 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 what? Oh, shoot, Walter. I'm thinking different names uh, of who he worked with. But let me just say, uh, it was was it David Pace? I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me. I can't remote view it right now. Normally I can. I'll all the names that he worked with, but he is one of the originals and uh, at the uh, with the army at Fort Meade and uh, the table, you know, where they had quite a few start with Ingo teaching him. So, uh, but Paul, uh, he talks to me on a regular basis. He's been a friend of mine for years, but uh, I mentioned something about us doing it, but he said he, could, he doesn't know if he can take on another project, but we're going to talk about it. And uh, see what it is that you want remote viewed because he's uh, got a bunch of people that flew in from Germany this last week to learn from him. And then, you know, other countries, he goes all over France and Portugal and Spain and, you know, wherever they te send him because he was an original. He's got the original book. But if you want to see his website, Ben, it's our viewer, like the name R for remote. Rviewer.com, and then he's a friend of mine. If you want to look at him on LinkedIn, it's P A U L H S M I T H Paul H Smith. And uh, Richard studies remote viewing. And I today was listening to David Wilcock coming back and sharing his uh, past uh, prophecy or past. Uh, dreams and interpretations and he was I shocked me I heard Archangel Michael and he was wondering if he wasn't even a higher angel uh, and I was going to talk to Richard and then Richard called in but there's a lot of things going on with uh, 
the world and the dimensions and our light bodies and vibrating up and how we may or may not know if we shift. And there's all types of stories that we can add in cyberspace culture. Ben, and I know you, you're probably interested in all of them because you have a very active mind. So I'll yeah, see uh, if we can get something going for you on that. You know, that would be good. Uh, a, a, a note on that uh, when you talk to him is all of my images on the website show the uh, coordinates for where the where it's located. Okay. So uh, you can also in the little photo at the bottom uh, with the white arrow on it that below those images he can see exactly where uh, with the arrow pointing to the place on the edge of Hermite Crater. Okay. Yeah, that would be wonderful if he someday could find the, the time to do that. That would be great. Yeah, we'll have to not let the people listening to the radio be involved. I'm sorry, folks, but in remote viewing, you have to get the coordinates and put them in an envelope and then give them to another guide. That uh, so the, you know you you don't participate. Like if I'm the administrator of the group, I would not participate myself. Our Richard wouldn't, but let's say I would be the administrator with the assignment project. I would give it the coordinates to Richard to put in an envelope that he wouldn't be allowed to see, okay? And then Richard would take the envelope in uh, to the uh, next group. It's called a double blind, and then from there we'll have somebody uh, else initiate the uh, remote view uh, project or session. So nobody really knows what it is they're seeing, and uh, we like to do it in groups of five. I don't know what Paul teaches. I haven't had his course on rviewer.com. I would like to. I don't even know how much he charges, but uh, I asked him uh, recently uh, something. Anyway, we've been talking a lot about all of this. So it must be up and running with the higher levels of the extraterrestrials and them wanting to speak culturally. Now, uh, Ben, cyberspace culture and philosophy, do you believe in your uh, domains and what you're uh, trying to, in your mind, uh, have the ideas or the innate intelligence we discussed earlier with Melinda? She brought up the word innate, an idea of God's source. In the unity of all, like the Akashic field, universal, we're all connected. Now, my mind goes to various universes. Some people do. They're, they're bilocators by uh, death and dying. And Richard and I are called ascension masters because a lot of people uh, study near-death experiences and out-of-body experiences like they do remote viewers and psychic and uh, – Mystics, oracles, psychics, sages, seers, and shaman, you know, but I don't do drugs or do anything like that herbalistically, and there's nothing against people that do. That's their path, but mine is strictly trying to get better on diet and keeping the body pure and keeping a clear, open mind to do better readings, but what's your philosophy, Ben? Uh, do you think extraterrestrials could be guiding us to what you're discovering? Do you feel guided? Well, I, I think uh, I try to uh, relate to, to God daily. Um, 
uh, several times throughout the day, and uh, I try to stay in touch with God. So I do ask for guidance in, in different things, and I give thanks for any uh, success that I have often. So uh, where I am at this point in, in my studies, uh, I, I credit uh, all the knowledge that I've gotten from, from God himself. And uh, so I don't know how other people see that, but uh, it, uh, we have, uh, I've noticed that since I've been uh, studying uh, about the uh, spirit world and whatnot, most people uh, do think there is a central God, and I'm I'm glad to see that that there is a Creator God. And uh, and uh, so anyway, I think that I do get some uh, inspiration from it, but uh, you know I can't say positively where it comes from or how come it comes. Right. I do, uh, sometimes wonder about with my upbringing and my education and. Uh, and everything, uh, how come I'm able to do these things? And uh, so I guess the long answer is uh, I credit uh, credit God for all my successes. Yeah, so you're basically a creationist. Folks, most of us, at least in America, are creationists uh, because of the way the United States was set up to have religious belief systems, even if it's nature's God, according to our Constitution and the forefathers. But Basically, it's the aspects of the universe and the earth and humans originated supernatural acts of divine creation. Our person who believes that the universe and all living organisms originate from a specific act of a divine creation. And it, in, in, uh, the, in, in, the, in the Institute of Global Culture inside Google, we have dictionaries, and in the Oxford language, of, uh, a lot of people use different dictionaries. This happens to be quoted out of uh, Wikipedia, and also Oxford language says also, as in the biblical account. So it also says a renewed campaign by religious creationists, just so you know, that's in the Oxford. So those of us that believe, whether they're angels, extraterrestrials, Anunnaki, divine, other people from other planets, lower orbs, lower deities, demigods, little gods, we say little gods, big gods, or those of different colors. There's all kind of religious beliefs of nature and aspects of the universe. But here in cyberspace culture, we just pretty much talk about the universe and other universal life forms that were created and so you don't have to uh, admit or deny primarily <laughs> in modern day uh, you know what your religion or what your background or ethnicity is but we're all uniquely a spark of what we as creationists believe is all divine or all is of uh, mortal definition in universal life and uh, so it's just a way to think of an aspect of what we are now i don't uh philosophically uh is philosophy isn't your religion and that's what today is about is creative culture and your intuitive philosophy you know and uh ben and uh and richard don't usually do wednesdays but um intuitive your intuition is the ability to acquire knowledge without recourse to conscious reasoning, but that's 
we got started real heavy with Melinda on the fields of intuition and how we went into ideas. So that was pretty interesting, Ben, that uh, the last – I wanted to share, you know, how you could see computer work and yet your extraterrestrial domains and if you had an intuitive philosophical insight, right, into what you're doing. So you feel like everything is pretty much a higher consciousness flowing through you anyway. Is we say we 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 call it a god, or the original source. Or absolutely, uh, uh, all good things come from God, I believe. And uh, if you, uh, you know, I, I keep as I work and try to figure something out, uh, I ask God to help me, and I thank God always. And uh, that's kind of got me where I'm at. Uh, I'm comfortable with that, and. Uh, I'm still learning. I, I think the universe uh, is full and brimming over with life. That's my personal feel from from what I've learned so far. If if God does create uh, one set of beings and place them here on the earth, there's nothing to stop him from doing that in the millions and millions and millions of other places. So creation is marvelous, and uh, I look forward as a matter of fact, I ask the Lord occasionally to let me live to see some of his other created beings. And uh, that is one of my desires, is, is to see and experience uh, the company of uh, other entities from the universe. So maybe I'll live long enough to, for that to happen, you know. Wow, what a wonderful way to live. That's a wonderful philosophy right there, to have a connection to source or what you may call God to ask to give you uh, strength or life to live, to learn of other of his creations, whether they're from other planets or other galaxies or other universes, but just to let you have knowledge that you in this reality uh, have uh, gained that intuitive knowing or philosophy or actual experience, which doesn't necessarily mean the whole thing. Richard, you got any comments you want to add? And we'll close this out, and we can come back tomorrow. Richard, tomorrow's Richard's day. No, I don't really got much you can add. I mean, you know, that's that's a pretty wide panorama. I mean, you know. Yeah. Creation well, is what it is. Be about? Well, what are we going to talk about tomorrow? Have we got any idea? You want to work At the on moment, it no. At the moment, no. Okay. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> Folks, that's what the universe is all about: is ideas, <laughs> your imagination, and what can other people come together and create in radio. Well, Ben, of course, you're welcome anytime, and I really appreciate you helping us archive and live record because you never know what piece of the words in the you know just studying the language and how we speak to each other you may have a piece of the uh skill set or talent for someone else that you don't even know you have until you speak it into existence right ben and somebody yeah. hears you and goes oh man let me go look at his website or look at those coordinates or look at what he's talking about or you know he sounds like he's got his act together right so <laughs> i hope so <laughs> It's, yeah, it's been so, uh, been great being uh, with you and Richard and uh, Melinda. As yeah, well. so nice to sit in with you. Oh, sure.
we appreciate it. If I could use this and you came on and did your little thing and got your little fanfare on your guitar, right? It's just a part of your voice. And we speak to each other and, you know, we're creating a little group here, a little gang, a little band. And we all get a chance to play a little jazz, so to speak, folks, you know, get to play our instrument with our voice. So appreciate you doing it, Ben. I know time is of the essence and it's also important to every human on alive and we really appreciate you and the fact that you're willing to go online and archive your stories Ben. whenever you can anytime you feel like you fit in please feel welcome but don't feel pressured but just know that i consider you part of my radio family now and uh, you've showed up at least four times i'm sure so I mean, you're showing initiative, and people say you just got to show up. So anytime you want to bring your voice and your, you know, your talent and skills, come on and sit in with this radio band, and we'll be glad to have you, okay? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Teresa. That's mighty nice of you. And uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can make some contribution here and there as I sit in with you. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. No commitment. No commitment. I'm, I've been here nine years. I'm, I'm working on 10, okay? Thank you, Ben, and I hope to have you back on the Ace Folk Life Day when you feel like just rambling on a bit and uh, try to get more of your own personal archive down, you know, for your kids and for your book or something, so oral archive for you, okay? Yeah, so you that'd, just, be, that'd be good, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Ben. Okay, Ben, when I close out, uh, I've got to close the show up, but you can hang up any time because you're on my phone. So, everybody, we appreciate you, and uh, we're going to get out of here, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow now. Uh, and you're welcome to come on, uh, Ben, like I said. So, everybody, see you tomorrow. When you're down